Welcome to the Grow Beyond podcast, a podcast devoted to international working experience. At Grow Beyond, we facilitate global career starts and help people to grow beyond their comfort zone. In this podcast, we interview young people that have built an international career on the steps they took, the challenges they faced and the lessons they've learned. They share tips and tricks and insights on their industries and countries they are working in. We are showcasing international opportunities and highlight how finding work abroad might advance a career faster than staying in your comfort zone. Let's get ready to grow. You are listening to the Grow Beyond Podcast, Episode 8. Welcome. Today, we're talking to Anna. Anna is originally from Austria, but now lives and works for her own company in Myanmar. She studied fashion and design in Austria and Germany and then moved to Indonesia, where she started her international career. She's an entrepreneur, a designer, a consultant, even a DJ, and she works in fashion marketing and events. With no further ado, here's the powerhouse, Anna. Welcome to this podcast. I'm super excited to have Anna here with me today all the way from Myanmar. And Anna is an incredible powerhouse. And thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today, Anna. And um, yeah, maybe we can start off and you tell us a little bit about your very international background and what route took you to Myanmar. Ah, great. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm uh, very excited to be part of this podcast and uh, yeah, coming from all the way from Myanmar, uh, where to start? Um, <laughs> I'm basically, my roots are Croatian. I was born in Belgrade. I grew up in Austria. I went from Austria all the way to Munich to study fashion design, which is actually my background now. So this fashion design part took me from uh, from Germany, from Munich, all the way to Indonesia when uh, I started to work uh, for a fashion agency, which was my first job. And I got this job only because I was lucky enough to have an internship between um, my second and third year while I was studying in Hong Kong and in China. And this company offered me a position when I graduated so that I can start immediately to work for this agency. And I was uh, I was lucky enough, you know, after graduation, just to make a phone call and uh, and tell them, okay, you know what, I have my my papers done, I have my my diploma, and I'm ready to start it off and hit it off. And they were saying, great, amazing. Would you be interested in working in uh, in Jakarta? And I was not thinking a second, and I was immediately mm. saying, yes, I'm definitely on board and I would love to start uh, my, my career in Indonesia and start to work for this agency. So I I moved to Jakarta 2000 and uh, 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 long time back, already <laughs> nine years, already nine years I moved to Jakarta and I was working for this, for this agency for about um, two and a half or three years. And it was quite an interesting experience, you know, coming from a Western country going to um, East Europe, jumping, jumping in into a completely different world, seeing all those big factories, mm. seeing actually where your garments are coming from, which you're wearing back in Europe. Mm. Because, you know, this was something um, I've never seen before. A lot of people, big factories, maybe two, two three thousand people working in one factory, stitching the garments. Mm -hmm. Then the conditions there, you know, it's it's raining, the heat. You don't have AC everywhere. It's a, mm -hmm. it's an open factory. So um, 
you know, then you really realize, man, oh, your garment is coming from from this kind of country, and mm. uh, that is how people are working on a really like um, a low salary just to produce this garment which you're buying back in Europe. And um, for the agency I used to work for, we, we've been working with good factories. Mm-hmm. They have to have all you know those certificates to be able to produce for um, big companies and also to do the export to European countries. But at the same time, I've also seen like the worst factories where kids were working, being outside um, uh, without shoes, uh, sitting on a pile of clothes and doing embroideries. Mm -hmm. So I've really literally seen everything there. And at the same time, also the approach, um, my approach to garments also changed a lot. My my, uh, buying behavior also changed a lot. And um, after a certain time, I decided that I have to move on and that I also would like to move on as um, in my career. And I wanted to make a step ahead. So I, I changed the company. I started to work for a German uh, sportswear company as a product and design manager. And um, at that time, when I started to work with them, the boss already asked me if I would be interested at one point to go to Myanmar to build the main office. And my first response was, what is Myanmar? I've <laughs> never heard about Myanmar before. Mm. Um, so the time came when he requested, requested me to go to Myanmar and just to see if I can imagine myself living there and working there. And that was 2013. It was just before, you know, Myanmar was properly opening up and uh, started to be like the regime went down. And um, I was flying to Burma. I landed in Yangon. I came out, you know, and I was like, okay, where can I buy a SIM card? Where is an ATM? Where is this and that? Mm. <laughs> there was nothing. Mm. I was in, in that, the first 10 days, I was without a SIM card. The only internet connection I had was at the hotel and at the factory. And also at that time, you know, the internet connection was horrible. I could only see the, the circle on my phone going around, 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 and nothing was happening. Mm. And I talked with a couple of people. I, I was going around and I was like, oh my God, this is so undeveloped. Can Anna, I asked really myself, Anna, do you see yourself here living and working? Can you really, you know, go backwards instead of moving uh, into the future and technology and forwards? And I was really in the first couple of days worried if 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 I really want to do it. But then I, I talked with a couple of foreigners who started a business there. And I realized it's a good platform mm. and a good city to start your own business. So with that thought in the back of my mind, I came back to um, Indonesia and I told my boss, yes, I'm all game. I'm ready to make the move and uh, go to Myanmar. And also at that time, I was uh, working with a very good friend of mine, Natalie, together. And I told her how exciting it is actually to be there as um, as one of the first people to develop some business and to be a pioneer. And maybe we can put our heads together and start a business together. And she was also on fire when I told her what what kind of opportunities opportunities we have there. And we moved to Myanmar. Um, we're building our image for the first two years extremely Mm. because I was saying okay at that time we didn't know which direction we want to go and what kind of business we want to develop 
So we decided to brand ourselves uh, and to build an image so that we are easily recognizable. People know who we are. People know who is behind this name. And whatever we will start at one point, people will come to us because they know us. They know the brand. Mm. And they, yeah, because we are the image of, of, of the brand. So we decided to change our name. And Natalie changed her full name to Natalie Black. I changed it to Anna Red. So we became the Red and Black team. And when we started to go out, when we started to brand ourselves and to work on our image, people were recognizing us as the two powerful girls always together. Um, uh, we had always good ideas. We were very active. We were doing a lot of networking. Uh, we were trying to, to go to different um, events and really to talk to as many people as we can so that uh, our target was really we want to be known, not only in Yangon, but in the whole Myanmar. And um, after another two years, there were some difficulties with the factory we used uh, used to work for. We were not receiving payments, and we I, I was saying ah, everything feels so wrong. We need to have Plan B and Plan C. We need a backup plan. So we decided to um, throw a party. So we had a big, uh, big house at that time. We used to live in Taketa, which is outside of Yangon. And um, we were taking the chance to use the space, just throw a really good party. We mm -hmm. were working on a nice concept. We were putting in um, red light to a sound system. We, we were setting up an awesome bar. We really converted the house uh, basically in a club. And we invited our friends, and of, of course we were saying you can bring your friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At the end of the night, I, I I only remember I was walking through the house, and I was standing there uh, in front uh, in front of my door because there were so many people, and I was like, "Who are you?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this guy this guy looked at me, "Oh, I'm a friend of this person over there." And I looked at this guy, and I was like, "Okay, who is this guy?" Mm -hmm. So our house was really packed with random people with our friends we had people inside people outside in the garden people in front of the house people everywhere i think throughout the night we had around 300 people and it was a big success people were still talking about our party days after and we were getting facebook messages hey when are you girls going to have the next one mm. we really liked it so me and natalie decided that's it we should really enhance that and throw another party and see if if we can kick it off then we should really work on an agency so with our luck we had a friend who was traveling in in thailand and he's a dj from munich also a well-known dj from munich and we were talking and we asked him hey now that since you're in that area would you mind coming to Myanmar? We're going to take care of your flight and accommodation. But as an exchange, can you play for one of our events? And um, this guy was very easygoing. He was like, yeah, sure, why not? I will be more than happy. And at the same time, there was a new rooftop uh, bar opening, Yangon Yangon rooftop bar. Mm -hmm. And we connected with the manager there and asked if we can do like a rooftop party with a DJ from Germany. And they were saying, of course, just go ahead and do it. We planned a concept, we organized everything, we changed the, the lighting also at the rooftop bar because we wanted to have this red concept coming also from red and black. And um, 
our target is to get about 150 people on the rooftop to enjoy the party and to celebrate. And at the end of the evening, we had in and out 450 people, which was really a big, big success for a first rooftop party with a DJ from abroad. And we were so happy that we were saying, done, that's a sign. We mm. should really go ahead with the agency and do the agency. And um, we decided, it was December time, we decided to go back home to take a rest. And then once we returned back to Yangon to put everything um in the pot and just go all in and do it. Um, unfortunately, when uh, I got back, uh, Natalie told me that uh, she cannot see herself living in Myanmar because I will tell you very honest, it is not an easy place to live, especially mm -hmm. at that time. We, we were still facing many, many basic problems, you know, with power cuts, with water supply, mm -hmm. um, with transportation, then you go to the supermarket and at the supermarket, obviously not everything is available like we know from back home. Mm -hmm. You have only, you know, like a cucumber, tomato and bread to buy, not 100,000 different cheeses and uh, cold cuts and so on. So it, it, it was not easy. And uh, she decided she wants to move back to Europe. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> My whole planning is now screwed. I have to think now a, a, a plan for myself. And I took a break for a couple of days uh, to think. And I decided, you know what, if I don't write, I will never know. So mm -hmm. I will put everything on one card. I will do my best and try and see. And if I'm successful, amazing if I'm not successful also amazing because I'm going to take a lot out of it and I can move on so I started having a couple of my own events I was doing a lot of outsourcing as well for for the events for the project I still was not able to hire um, stuff because you know I was doing my calculation and based on my calculation the risk in the beginning was too big so I did also at the same time a lot on my own, walking through downtown, talking with vendors, mm. and you know that the language barrier is there. So I had to use my hands and legs and feet <laughs> and <laughs> pictures on the phone to explain what I need. But somehow at the end, you know, I was behind the ball and I got the job done. And um, at the same time, because of my social media and I was, you know, marketing my events, I was marketing the agency a lot. And I got approached from a different uh, company, from um, two people. They are running an advertising agency and they were interested in partnering up and also investing into, into the um, uh, event and entertainment agency. So we sat down, we were talking through the partnership and we decided to go ahead together and see where this is going, you know, where this is going to take us. And it was a quite an interesting eight months uh, with those two partners. Um, on one hand side, you know, they gave me the opportunity to take and use their own in-house team and to use their contacts so that I can get sponsors, so that I can not only do events entertainment for the nightlife scene, but also to start and do corporate events. And uh, I've also learned a lot from, from them. But unfortunately, at the end, I've realized that somehow we are not going the same way. And um, I sat down with them and we've been putting our visions on the table. And, and I asked them, okay, where do you see this company going and where do you want to go? And it was not a match with my vision because I, I 
still believe, and this is what I'm really now doing, going full force, trying a lot of things, mm. collaborating with a lot of talented people, um, and really trying different concepts and having my hands uh, and feet everywhere to see where it's going, you know, to kick off. And once a project really kicks off, then I'm investing myself a little bit more there. But then at the same time, I'm not going to get stuck only uh, on one way. I will still keep doing many, many things at the side. Mm. That's why I also started last year to get myself uh, into, into DJing. I'm coming from the event and entertainment area and I was facing many, many times the issue that I had to go to the DJ and tell him, okay, you know what, you have to play a different kind of music mm. because the people are not dancing or you have to make a little bit more something upbeat or, you know, or you have to change the style, but, you know, you have to do something. And I, I got a little bit tired of, of myself going all the time to the DJ and complaining. <laughs> so I was putting myself behind the DJ table and I started to learn, luckily through a friend, a little bit about music theory. And then I invested in a DJ machine and I was watching so many YouTube videos and I was trying so many different styles and so many different things just, you know, to, to get a feel of how is this all thing working. And then I started to hear good music hmm. because I think if you, if you don't know, then you will just enjoy whatever is going to be plate mm. you know but if you know how things are going to be mixed together and what kind of filters you can use and how actually the, the mixing part is happening then you start also to realize the, the quality of a dj which also helped me with my future and with my future booking bookings then because then i could hear when somebody was sending me okay here my sound clown have a listen i could finally understand and hear the quality of a dj mm -hmm. yeah and um, so once I started to split up with those two partners, um, I was looking for a local partner to not only to ground myself a little bit, but also so that I can go full force in the way I was thinking at that time. And I met um, one lady. Her name is Christina. Um, I met her a long time back through a friend and by coincidence last year uh, in November when I was going out and I met another friend and she was also joining and I was openly talking or saying I'm looking for a local partner if you guys know somebody who knows someone let me know I really I really need now like a good local partner who is sharing the same vision and mm -hmm. I think I was I was very lucky that we got back at the same, you know, at the, at a good time, at a good place with the same vision because we started to talk and she was like, you know what, I'm not coming from that area, but I want to go in it. I have those kind of ideas. I have those kind of connections. Why don't we sit down and work it out? So we worked out the plan. We started working together on, on the agency and, um, we created a group of companies called Core Group. Mm -hmm. And under Core Group, uh, we have NRET Events and Entertainment, which I started obviously much earlier. And by beginning of this year, we developed two more agencies. One is Digital Brain, which is the uh, digital marketing agency, and Supernova, a talent booking agency. And since uh, beginning of this year, we are also, you know, 
putting a little bit more effort in building those two other agencies. But at the same time, we're working on different kinds of concepts and collaborations for the event and entertainment. And not only nightlife, but cooperate and moving also more towards education and workshops. Mm-hmm. So that is my story. And I'm sitting still in Vietnam and working working uh, on agencies on different concepts i'm uh, open for collaborations because i believe um now everything is changing our mm-hmm. our generation the way we are working is changing and that is also what i'm telling also now my staff i have a graphic designer girl i have a, a an assistant and i have a junior event manager and i always tell them you know we are not those kind of people who will work from nine to five mm. We, we, the millennials mm. and so on, we are working in a different, different way. And I'm saying as long as you get the job done, I don't care actually if you're working during the day or in the night or in the weekend, over the weekend, and you take, you know, one or two days off during the week, as long as we keep communicating mm. and being very transparent, then you are free to organize yourself the way you think you can be the best and give the best. Mm. And especially, you know, if you're working in a creative field, I also still remember when I was studying, my best work I was able to create and do in the night. Mm. So also my, my graphic designer girl, when I told her, you know, I don't need you from nine to five in the office because I know creative people, they like to work in the night. She was more than happy. Mm. <laughs> She's like, yes, finally somebody understands me. Mm. And, um, I, and I always keep educating everybody around me, uh, and I want them to not, you know, to be shy or afraid of, you know, can I, can I say, can I bring this idea on the table? Because working with Asian people is so different than working with European people. Mm. Uh, back in Europe, everybody will tell you directly in your face what they're thinking about the concept and what they're thinking about the idea and they will, you know, brainstorm and it's a different kind of um, way of working together. And here still I, I, I find talented people and I can see the talent, but sometimes they need a little bit of a, like a kick to open up. And once they open up, then you see the full potential and then you can help them to make even more out of their potential. Mm, yeah. Wow, yeah. Anna, there's so much in there and you told us so much and you um, raised many new questions, but you already answered a lot of questions as well. So it's super interesting. I, I took a lot of notes and just wanted to, to follow up on a few bits and pieces of things you said. So the first job that you landed after university then was really through an internship that you already did while you were still studying, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got the opportunity to go to Hong Kong and China mm-hmm. for uh, four months. And I did an internship there for this agency who offered me the job in Jakarta. Mm-hmm. They're, they're having many offices there, like I think four or five offices in, in Asia, all mm-hmm. around in Asia. And they used to work for big brands uh, back in Europe, like um, Esprit, Tommy Hilfiger, Hugo Boss Orange. Mm-hmm. So they were handling the design and the production for those brands in in Asia mm. and what did you um, what did you find generally I mean you were then looking for a different job as well with a different agency in that area of work you were in like the design and production and so on was it easy to find work in Southeast Asia or was it rather hard even if you were coming from the West um, to be honest it was very very tough mm. I 
after after my my third year, I didn't want to go back to Europe. I was really looking to find a job uh, a job in Asia, and I was applying everywhere. And I, mm-hmm. I even I was thinking, okay, worst case, I will go to India, <laughs> although mm-hmm. it's not going to be like my <laughs> number one on the, on the list of the countries I would mm-hmm. like to live. But I was really, I was trying everywhere from Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, Hong Kong. I mm. went to interviews, but it was really, really tough to, to get a job. Mm. And luckily, through, through a friend of mine, I, uh, I got uh, a contact of um, then my second um, company. And I contacted this, uh, this guy and it was a German guy. And he was saying, you know what, um, why don't you just drop by? at our office and we have uh, we have a chat um, mm. then we can see and I went there and after 30 minutes he gave me his hand and he was saying okay welcome you're on board so you shook hands and the deal was done basically exactly we mm. shook hands and the deal was done I mm. got the contract I signed the contract and um, so this, yeah so... I started my career then as a product and design manager which, which was then a couple of you know I started off as a junior designer mm. and actually I should have become then um, a senior and head of and then sometime later a production and design manager. Mm. But I luckily somehow jumped over <laughs> into a much bigger responsibility and uh, a new job. And to be honest, I think what was always keeping me doing all those stuff was that I'm not afraid of just, just jumping on board and trying it mm. because this is important. Many, many people, and I've also realized that when I was doing interviews, people are afraid of, uh, of new things mm. and they are insecure and they cannot just think or say, you know what, I will try it. If it works out, it works out. If mm. not, then at least I tried it and I know mm. that I'm not... I'm not capable of doing it, mm. but many, many people, they shy off or, or they, they don't know how much potential they actually have and that they can, by doing and learning, grow into a job as well. Mm. Yeah, well, there's still so many questions I want to ask you, but also given the time, I just want to follow up on like three, four more <laughs> things. I think also, you know, talking right. about Myanmar and things you already met and mentioned that the working environment, you know, I think that's also such an interesting topic, working in such a different environment with very different people. But um, what did you what did you find, though, like in finding your new job and um, also now in the work you're doing, you already spoke a little bit about personal branding. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, but also about the networking because you said you then got the job through this connection you had what is your advice on like how best to network or especially if you're looking for a job in southeast asia which platforms to use what are your methods like you're you're a top networker so what would be the advice you would give to people that are interested uh, in in advice on that topic um coming coming back first on the branding Mm -hmm. i think You know, these days, there's so many people out there doing mm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you you have to be a little bit more innovative and special so that people, you know, can recognize you. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, okay, I'm setting up a proposal and I'm going to uh, one company because I want them to be my sponsor. And a similar proposal is coming from another person, yeah, from another company. So if you if you look, the same companies, you know, similar companies doing the same proposal, who are you going to pick? Mm -hmm. And I think 
what is always like the, the last, you know, the kick where uh, a company is designed to go ahead with you is the personal touch and your image and your branding. Mm -hmm. And that is why I was saying from the beginning on, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. I might uh, then sell maybe merchandise, open an agency or sell food. But why, why are people going to come to me? And that's why I was investing into my own image and in branding myself as a brand, mm. as Anna Red. And also uh, now I'm doing the events and I'm, when I'm dropping my name, people know, ah, Anna Red, yeah, yeah we know who, who she is mm. and what she's doing. And that was also very helpful when I started off with, uh, with basically my DJ career. Mm. When I was putting it online, oh, Anna Red is going to play here and there. And I was like, Anna Red? We know Anna Red. Of course we will go there, you know? So, mm. and keep on. Yeah, sorry. Apart yeah. from the name, you so you said the Anna Red, the name you changed, but also what were the other attributes like? Because I find that very interesting that you said you and so Anna Red and Natalie Black. You weren't exactly sure yet what you wanted to do, but you wanted to be yeah. already recognized for something. So you wanted to stand for something, right? So what were the attributes that you thought people you want people to recognize with you, or how did you go about defining this brand you wanted to have without knowing yet what the product is um so when natalie was still here we were branding ourselves as especially because at that time we were still working for the garment factory mm. as you know like the the, the hip uh, fashion design girls new in town we mm. also used to dress really like dress up properly mm. uh, compared to you know at that time <laughs> not a lot of people walking around in high heels in Yangon mm. and uh, having um, full makeup on and really like being completely dressed up when they were going out mm. and since red and black were our Our colors we decided we are going to have uh, the black team in our clothes and the red lipstick mm -hmm. as being you know our two colors for the brand and always being high fashionable and, mm. and outgoing and fun and interesting so the first image people got here were the Anna Red and Natalie Black as the two designer girls working for mm. a fashion house and okay. um, based on that And based on that, when we, and especially because we were very, very outgoing and partying a lot, mm. and when we started the first party, they were like, oh, yeah, those two girls, <laughs> they're the party animals. Mm. <laughs> they know how to party, so it mm. will for sure be a good, good event. Yeah, yeah, great, a very excellent. Yeah. And in terms of the networking, what would you recommend? There are, are there some specific websites or societies or things you can recommend as well for people that are looking to going overseas or generally? Do you have any networking tips? Anything that has proven very successful for yourself? Um, when I was living in in Indonesia, I was going to international events a lot. Mm -hmm. um, that was also very helpful, you know, to get to know first of all a different tar the target group. And um, I mean, every person is different in mm -hmm. the way how they're approaching other people. And mm -hmm. I'm very open, you know, mm -hmm. I can travel alone. If I'm sitting at the airport alone and somebody else is sitting there, I will just approach and start talking. And I never had any problems with networking. But what I can also see, um, I used also to be uh, ambassador for internations here mm. in Yangon for one and a half years. And I tried to help people to connect with other people. I was one of the key persons. I knew everyone. And then sometimes people have difficulties to, to get into it. 
And what is happening if a couple of people know each other already, they tend always to go towards the people they yeah, know instead yeah. of, you know, no, you're here to yeah. network, just approach people you have never talked to or have never seen because that is where you, you're going to get your, your social circle or um, maybe you will find somebody with whom you can work uh, in the future and so on. And that is what I've realized. People, people need to shift a little bit the focus on not mm. going towards uh, somebody you know, but somebody you don't know and not being afraid of going to an event alone. Mm, okay. Yeah. Very good. And, That's very good tips. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah, shift the focus. In Myanmar, in Myanmar, social media is growing. Facebook is compared, you know, in Western countries like Google for Myanmar. Mm. Whatever you're looking for, you go on Facebook, mm. and uh, there you can find a lot of lot of events. And I myself, I keep myself always updated so that I can see, okay, what kind of event is happening, where. Um, Am I going to be able to meet new people who are in town um, or am I going to see again the, the people I already know? So I'm really, really choosing events. And when I'm going to events, I'm prepared. I'm having my business cards. I'm talking to the people I don't know. And I always follow up on the next day. I'm dropping mm. a short message uh, or an email just, you know, to keep, keep the, 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 the image alive. And after a couple of days, you know, I think, hey, now weekend is coming. Anybody has any plans? So I'm really trying to be always present. Mm -hmm. Although I know it's really also the social media and branding and keeping your image alive is a lot of work. Mm. You have to be on your phone. You have to be connected. You have to, you know, answer SMS messages. And the more people you know, the more people are texting you and asking you also questions. So sometimes it can be also a little bit overwhelming besides your work you're anyways doing to be um, the social person. Mm, yeah yeah no so i have two three more questions thank you so much for the take on okay. networking um uh i i mean i have a lot more questions but two three things i just wanted to ask so um one is the language barrier you touched up on that quickly when you said you go to the um mm. to the stores trying to sort your thing so do you speak burmese now how do you communicate mainly is it a challenge also when you were in indonesia what did you do how did you handle the language barrier Myanmar and, uh, and the language and me, we somehow we don't work together. Mm. Um, four years ago when I came here, I had a teacher and I, I tried to learn it. Um, you know, in Myanmar you have um, uh, basically also like the Sanskrit. Mm. And um, I was not learning the writing and the reading, I jumped in only into talking, but mm. I was not getting anything because you mm. have the tones, you know, and then depending mm. how you pronounce it, it will mean something different. So I gave up on that and I decided, yeah, whatever, I will find my way somehow. And at the end, I also somehow found my way, either with your hands and feet and uh, pictures on my phone when I was looking mm. for something specific. And then, um, If they cannot speak any English, I always try, okay, then, you know, like for negotiations, write the number on paper. Mm. <laughs> and then they're writing, let's say, 10,000 chats. So I'm crossing the 10,000 chats and saying, no, no, discount, mm. you give me for 8,000. <laughs> mm. And then they start, you know, and then they start to laugh and you immediately have this connection and then things are working out somehow. Mm. But um, also you're doing business and you don't have to speak the language to do business or does it work with local business partners that help um, you with the language? 
for business, I was always trying to get somebody who can translate. Mm. I mean, in the beginning, yes, I was asking friends, can you help here and there? Mm. Now I have a, a local partner and I have an assistant, both local. So everything related now, and I will be very honest, relating to vendors, related to uh, anything with Burmese, I hand over the phone and I was just saying, please <laughs> handle this mm. because it's much, much easier. Mm. I, I can speak a little bit. Yeah, I picked it up now in the, in the last four years, but it's always better if my local staff can handle the local, uh, local people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I have one question just for people that were listening to what you touched up on earlier with the big factories and the two, three thousand people working in mm -hmm. there. And you said your buying behavior also changed. And I mean, this is very, um, a side note to everything else we've talked about and especially global careers. But, um, still, since you have this experience and the insights, and I think a lot of people here in, in, in Western Europe are also struggling with this, you know, what can I buy and how can I buy or should I just buy less and where should I best get my garments from? Is there any advice you have on being such an insider to the industry? What behavior you would recommend also to Western people when they purchase their clothes? You know, that is also a very, very big topic, uh, mm. which we can, you know... We could do a separate podcast on that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, because that is exactly, you, you know, the the issue is um, I was the person in between. Mm. Uh, a Western person who also had the understanding what is happening in, in the big production house mm. and in in Asian countries where we actually produce cheap. But, for example, if we are producing a T-shirt for uh, let's say five dollar till it gets to the store in um, in europe it will cost you 25 mm -hmm. yeah and if you're producing in a in a factory where we have bsci which is you know there is an association they're checking all the factories and if you have bsci it means you don't have any children working there mm -hmm. the working conditions are perfect la 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 this means also that the t-shirt will cost you a little bit more And then we have in Western countries, so many people, they, they will not pay 25 uh, euro for a T-shirt because they're saying, why? Why should I pay 25 euro if I can go uh, to XY and I can only pay three? You know? mm. But they don't think about where this three euro T-shirt is coming from, from maybe somehow, uh, I don't want to say any countries because they were also big, big issues with a lot of countries where the business stopped completely. Mm. Um, and there is a big conflict. And then, you know, the T-shirt, uh, which is uh, $25, the buyer cannot sell mm. because the customer is saying it's too expensive. Mm. Then they are coming back to us and then they're saying, I cannot sell my T-shirt. I need the T-shirt the much, much cheaper. Mm. And then we're like, yeah, but if we are making it cheaper, then how can we pay the salaries for the people? How can we keep this mm. factory alive? with you know we have to provide lunch we the working hours they're not children and so on and so on so this is really big big topic maybe we should really yeah maybe we should really do a separate podcast on that and also because you say, said your buying behavior changed so maybe you have some tips yeah. as well or generally um 
We can also include in the description of the podcast some websites and some things sure, where people sure. can look things up so that they have some, um, yeah, some guidance and some things to take away from. And yeah, I would love mm -hmm. to really hear more insights than someone that has been to these factories and worked in this environment. And like you say, knows both sides. So then the final yeah. question I would like you to ask is, um, I mean, there's so much in there. You've done so many interesting things. You've built a business by yourself in a diff very different country and context. And you worked in different and very interesting industries. So, of course, there's so much I would want to talk about, but um, mm -hmm. is there a key learning or something that you would say, this is what I have really taken away from um, my international experience and when I go back to Austria as well, to my, my home context, is if it's still home for you, if you still consider it home, but that is something that I really think um, a key thing that I have learned from this international experience that I wouldn't have um, had otherwise. Um. I would, I mean, now I would still call, call myself like a global citizen. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking many, many times about it, you know, uh, what about, you know, going back home and working back in a European country. And, and I've seen my friends coming and working in, in um, Asian countries or abroad. And then after, let's say, 10, 15 years, still going back because, you know, home is home at the end. Mm. And I think for this, um, many factors are playing a role. Um, I'm still young. I think as long as I don't make this big decision to settle down properly and really build a home, maybe with somebody else and also think about uh, family and children, I don't think that I will return back home. I still like to explore more and I also don't uh, see Myanmar as my, my final destination. Mm -hmm. I still think I'm working now on a project and at one point I will probably decide to move ahead and do a different project. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm also a little bit crazy. I might also just say, ah, now I feel like moving to Malaysia mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I will pack up my, my stuff and go to Malaysia yeah. and start something there, you know? Um, When I go back home, yes, in the beginning, I feel like, oh, it's so amazing. But then I miss this craziness from mm -hmm. abroad. Mm -hmm. We back home, we still work in a different way. We cannot be as flexible as we can be in, in Asian countries or in any other um, country where you don't have too many rules you have to follow. Um, or, you know, I don't like being put myself in a box. And mm. I've also realized that when I was young and I was still back home, you know, people are somehow trying to tell you how you, you should live your life, you know, mm. oh, you have to have a good job and then you stick with this company and then you work there till you go into pension and you try, you know, to, to, to get promoted in the company itself that at one point you are the big boss and so on and so on and at the moment when i moved away and i have and i've seen oh i can actually know i don't have to 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 work in a company forever i can ju jump around and if i try mm. something and i don't like it then i will move ahead move ahead and i will move to a different different area or different company or different country and the decision when i decided that i'm going to start my own business in myanmar and i told uh, my parents 
you know they were oh my god how can you do this mm. i mean you living you living your secure job where you're getting your salary and uh, mm. basically a nice comfortable life where somebody is taking care of you uh, and you want to leave this and start something on your own in an undeveloped country why don't you come back to europe why don't you do this or you can work here and much better and you can stay in this company than in in austria or in germany for the next 25 years <laughs> and so yeah. on and so on so in the same moment when I was very confident about I'm going ahead with my own company, I'm going to build it, I was facing many, many problems coming from home because of, again, this kind of thinking they are having back home mm. that you, you you cannot be jumpy, you, you need the security, how about your health insurance, how about your pension when you are old? I mean, those things are not certain, especially mm. now these days we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow mm. i mean everything can change yeah and uh, maybe world war three will will come up you never mm. know crazy things are happening every every day everywhere so if for example if if i could go back when when i luckily i was confident enough just to go to to asia but i was still you know doubting because of my my surrounding if i could go back to that time and I could see myself you know doubting I would tell myself you know what don't think too much because you just have to go ahead take it in your own hand mm. and try things out because you're not going to lose you will only lose if you don't try and time is passing by and you sit then uh, 35 40 years later somewhere being old and then regretting everything what you could have actually mm. been doing in, in all those years. Yeah, That's a really good finishing point, I think. So go out and enjoy the flexibility and try different things. Yes. And of course, also um, see all these very different um, lifestyles that we have in, in different countries and different um, yeah opportunities. And thank you so much for sharing all this, Anna. I will talk with you about doing thank a separate po podcast about, um, for example, the garment <laughs> industry, which I think would be super, super yes. interesting and also maybe going a bit more in depth about like new work concepts and different concepts in different countries but for today for the first teaser thank you so much for sharing all this and um, I'm sending you the best wishes to crazy Myanmar from not so crazy Berlin <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed these insights and are ready to grow beyond. If you have any questions or feedback, please head to www.growbeyond.com, beyond spelled with you because it's all about you, or email rona at growbeyond.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. All infos are also in the description of this podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Let's grow. I'm Rona. Thank you for listening.